thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Germonte. The UFC heads to Washington, D.C. this weekend. That's right, the UFC lull is finally over, and we are getting a killer heavyweight clash between Alistair Overeem and Yair Rosestrick as the headliner. We'll be breaking down that fight on the show, as well as two other of our favorite fights on this card as part of our Fights Dogs and Parlay segment, where we will also give you a parlay that we think is highly playable and an underdog that you should keep an eye on and maybe lay a wager on as well. Plus, we'll be talking to two of the fighters on the card. I'll first be talking to Cody Stamen as he gets ready for Song Yadong, and then I'll be talking with Yana Kunitskaya as she gets ready for her fight with Aspen Ladd. But before we get to any of that content, i got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Punch Lab app. Look, we all know it's hard to get to the gym at a specific time to work out with a boxing coach. We also know it can be hard and very expensive to find a good boxing coach. Well, not anymore, because the Punch Lab app now brings high-quality boxing instructors right into the palm of your hand. This app, which you can get in both Google Play or in the iTunes Store, has workouts designed by real qualified boxing instructors that talk you through sessions either on the bag or even if you're shadow boxing. They have ones designed for MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and more. Plus, you can attach your phone to the heavy bag using their belt, and it will actually count and measure the strength of your punches and kicks. So right now, it is time to head on over there, download that, and change the way that you train your striking, and give yourself the ability to do it just about anywhere in the world. Punch Lab Bad brings you this episode of Top Journal MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Cody Stamen, who fights Song Yadong at UFC in Washington, D.C. on December 7th. So, Cody, I want to take you through a little bit of the history before we get onto that fight with Song. Uh, you know, about a year ago this time, you were getting ready to fight Aljamain Sterling in what would wind up being your very first loss of your UFC career. After that loss, were there any big changes you felt like you needed to make, or was it just one of those deals where you need to execute a little bit better than you did? Well, I think the loss to Aljamain Sterling kind of, uh, people say this all the time, uh, you know, it's the best thing ever happened to me, but in regards to, you know, where I think I figured out that I stand in the division, I think it was, you know, a really, really positive thing. I realized that, you know, I could, one, not only compete, but I could beat guys, you know, that are the, you know, considered to be the best in the world. You know, after I fought Sterling, I really felt like uh, I just made some really stupid mistakes and maybe it was an experience thing. I was going against a guy that had, you know, three or four times as many UFC fights as I did, you know, had big fight experience. And, you know, I went in there and got emotional and, and, and got, and I made mistakes and he didn't capitalize, you know, just like a vet would. Um, so for me, I just, I realized after that fight that, you know, I'm like, listen, I, I am absolutely one of the best in the world. I just need the experience and the time, uh, you know, competing with these guys, to to get my wins and to, to be where I need to be. So, uh, you know, for me, that's kind of an eye opener. I realized that I'm, I'm there, I'm there, you know what I mean? As an athlete and as a fighter, I'm there. I just need, I need the experience. And then you got an experience in your next fight and obviously rebounded in a big way by, by taking a pretty clear decision victory over a tough opponent in Alejandro Perez. Did you feel like you made that adjustment and you were, you know, like you said, not fighting emotionally, you know, acting more like a mature fighter in that second fight? 
Yeah, absolutely. Straight straight game plan. I had three weeks to prepare for Alejandro Perez. I probably had 10 minutes in the gas tank, and I had to fight a certain way to, to win and negate his offense, you know, because Perez is really good at winning rounds. He's, uh, you know, he had, before I fought him, he won the Ultimate Fighter Latin America. He hadn't lost in, like, five years. Really hard to take down. Um, obviously, he's really tough. So I had to fight him a certain way. You know, I feel like I went out and I, implement, I implemented a game plan, my game plan, to an absolute T. And, you know, I took maybe one or two shots that whole fight. You know, to go beat a guy that hasn't lost in five years in three weeks, uh, I think kind of just added to, you know, the, our, the confidence that it was already, uh, you know, building. And you said, you know, obviously you have to fight a very different way when you're only preparing for three weeks and you're not sure your gas tank's up. You know, you get in a full camp here to fight Song Dong, which is a, an exciting fight uh, on this card. But here's my question to you then. How different are you going to be in this fight versus how you were against Alejandro Perez? Well, I'm going to be a lot more output. Just way more output. You know, against Perez, I pretty much fake and fainted my way to a uh, win. You know, I didn't, I didn't really do anything. I was, uh, I was waiting for him. I was just trying to counter him. You know, and against Song Dong, I feel like if if you, if you start waiting for him, you might, uh, you might wake up and wonder what the hell happened. So you know, I'm definitely gonna have to fight Song Dong uh, a lot differently than I fought Alejandro Perez. And I actually really, really, that's one aspect of MMA that I really get up for. I, I love, I love watching a guy and seeing, uh, you know, all the things he's really good at, and then you know, sitting sitting there and breaking down and dissecting, okay, you know, what can I do here? What should I do here? What should I do here? And then throughout camp, uh, you know, these things start coming together and right now I'm hitting on all cylinders. You know, I've got, uh, I've got a lot of really good people in my corner and, you know, I honestly feel like I'm, I'm, I'm heading in the right direction as far as like peaking as an athlete. You know, I think, you know, the next two years of my athletic career are going to be the years that kind of, you know, get me paid and get me recognized. Well, that's certainly exciting. Now, I, I want to go back to a thing you said in there, too, about his KO power, because, you know, he's one of the few guys you faced in the UFC or will face in the UFC with really significant one-punch knockout power. Do, what What are your thoughts on his hands, and, and how do you feel he ranks versus those other, you know, big punchers you've faced in your yeah. career? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, this isn't the first guy I fought that, you know, can hit hard. Um, you know, Tom Dukenwa, mm-hmm. he was known for being a finisher, knocking everybody out with elbows and knees and punches and everything else. Um, you know, same exact, kind of a, I mean, really, really similar for me. I mean, almost exactly the same wind up, you know, as far as like betting odds go, two to one underdog, fighting a guy that, uh, you know, is like thought to be, you know, the biggest prospect out of Europe. Now I'm fighting the guy that's supposed to be the biggest prospect out of China. Uh, there's a ton of similarities here. Um, and the only difference is that I've had, you know, two years to fight in the UFC against, you know, top 10 opponents. When I fought Tom Dukes, I had one UFC fight on seven days notice. So um, the only difference here is that, you know, I think songs a little better than Tom Duke and I'm a lot better than the Cody Stamen that fought two years ago. So I'm expecting the same results. You know, I'm expecting to shock everybody and, and go out and, uh, you know, put, put all my money on myself and, and walk with a huge paycheck. Yeah, and, and, you know, you mentioned 
that you know you're looking forward to the next two years of your career. You're expecting the same result here. A win in this fight makes you five and one in the UFC, which is a pretty impressive record, especially in that loaded bantamweight division. With that in mind, what are sort of your goals for 2020 uh, as you know we sort of approach the new year? Uh, well, 2020 goal, same as my 2019 goal, would be the best, be the best in the world. You know, I feel like if I'm like uh, for a while, I got hung up on the on the whole top ten thing, um, and well, I did that in like nine months, and then I never really set a new goal. So you know, my goal from here until the end of my fighting career is to be the best, to be number one in the, in the, in the world. And, and how close do you think you are to getting a chance at that title shot? You know, being you know five and one the division. Uh, although there is that loss in there to Aljamain Sterling, who's, you know, seemingly a number one contender. How close do you think this fight puts you? Two fights. Two. I think you're always two fights away. I think when you're in the top 15, you're two fights away. Two big fights. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just about the right fights, the right people, the right time. You know, who else wins and loses? But I always think you're two fights away. Interesting. Now, I, I do want to ask, too, as long as we're talking about the top of the division here, the top of the bantamweight division is real confusing, obviously, with Henry Cejudo as the champ, but he's yeah. seemingly, you know, going this way or that way or calling out women or, or whatever he's doing. What are sort of your thoughts yeah. on him being the champion of the bantamweight division? Can't stand him. Can't stand him. You got to respect what he's done as an athlete, but I can't stand him. Personally, I think he's a freaking tool, but, um, you know, the guy wins fights and, you know, the way he's chosen to promote himself, I mean, I think it's like the lowest common denominator. I just can't, I just, I don't know. I, I want to respect him because of what he's done as an athlete, but I just can't because Kai's such a dork, you know? He's such a dork. I, I certainly hear what you're saying there. Now, I got to ask too, with, with Aljamain Sterling being, you know, seemingly nipping at a shot at Cejudo, if you were to see those two square off, uh, which one of those do you think would take a fight? Uh, I think Sterling beats him. Sterling's a really, really good grappler. He, you know, Sterling, uh, and he's long and he he's smart. You know, he, you know the Sterling, the Sterling that I fought, you know, I think was probably, you know, the best guy. I think he's probably the best guy in the world. I think he's the best bantamweight in the world. Um, I don't know how, like, he's going to be really hard to beat. I don't know how anyone's going to beat him. Uh, the only person I think that can beat him is me. All right. And, and I was going to ask that, too. You know, obviously, with that match possibly being on deck for, for Henry Cejudo, is that the result you'd want to see so that there is that opportunity that when you get the next shot at Aljamain Sterling, it's for the belt? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that'd be, you know, in a perfect world, that's exactly what happens. You know what I mean? I go out. I dust Sterling Dong, and then Sterling Sterling wins the belt. I go beat one other guy, and I say, "Hey, man, let's run it back." And you know, 2019, I'm or 2020, I'm fighting for I'm fighting for the title. But you know, I'm not. I have no idea. I have no idea you know, who's going to win, who's going to lose, who's going to get their opportunity. You know what I mean? We got Frankie Edgar and Jose Aldo coming to the division. I mean, there's a lot going on at Bantamweight. Who who knows? You know what I mean? I've always tried to predict things, and got them so over. You know trying to figure out what the UFC wants or trying to figure out who's going to win what fight. You know, I'm just going to focus on me. I'm going to keep winning. And uh, my pay paychecks are just going to keep getting bigger. And then eventually, you know, I'm going to get that number one, that number one spot. 
Well, we're certainly looking forward to that as well as watching the rest of this Bantamweight division shake out. First, we're going to watch, though, Cody Stamen, who is fighting Song Yudong at UFC in Washington, D.C. on December 7th. Cody, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This is Daniel Gumby, Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Yana Kunitskaya, who fights Aspen Ladd at UFC in Washington, D.C. on December 7th. So, Yana, immediately one week after your fight with Aspen Ladd is a women's bantamweight title fight between Amanda Nunes and Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, give us your thoughts on that matchup before we begin talking about, you know, your fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... I think uh, anything can happen in fight, and uh, Jeremy have knockout power. But uh, I think Amanda more well-rounded, and if uh, if she gonna have any trouble in stand-up, she can put her down, and I'm sure she's better there. So I think Amanda gonna win. All right, and and with your win over Aspen Lab, that'll be three in a row with you, with your only blemish on your record coming in a featherweight title fight to Chris Cyborg. Do you feel like you could punch a ticket to fight Amanda Nunes next if you were to win? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, everyone's speaking that it's contender fight, but uh, I'm not trying to look over this fight. I'm so focused, and uh, whatever you see going to give me next, if it will be one or two fight more before title shot, uh, I'm not going to be uh, sad about this. And that's good, too, that you're, you're thinking about this fight, because Aspen Ladd was on uh, one pretty impressive run before her last fight. What sort of were your thoughts on her last fight? I, I know some people saw it as a controversial stoppage. No, I don't think so. She was absolutely out, and uh, I think it was a very good stop, and uh, referee just takes her health. I understand here that she feels that she can continue, but we can see this a lot of time when people... Uh, absolutely out, but still trying to fight, you know, they're trying to grab referee or something. I think uh, it was a good stop, and the referee just saved her health. And afterwards, too, Aspen Ladd was appealing the decision, saying that the only reason they stopped the fight was because she was a woman. What what sort of are your thoughts on, on that claim? No, I think they're just trying to find the reason, you know, uh, to to speak about this loss, and I don't think so. I don't think that it's... Uh, Effect referee that she is a woman. I think that it was just the right decision. Makes a lot of sense to me. Now let, let's talk about your preparation for this fight too, because I know this is the third fight camp that you've done in a mixture of the Performance Institute and working at Extreme Couture. And obviously, we've seen the difference. You're on a two-fight winning streak heading into this third fight. What was the main factor that made you decide to move your camp to Extreme Couture? Uh, I can say that really that I'm working in extreme culture most of the time. It's uh, my training and performance institute and my main coach, Ray Sefa, uh, we're working there like in on pets and extreme culture. But m- main training here in uh, performance institute and it's uh, very comfortable and uh, very good staff here. We have like everything what we need. So it's saving a lot of energy, a lot of time. And they have great team here, so it was the main reason. That's excellent. And what about working with Ray Seppo just sort of clicked with you so well? Why did you choose to work with him? Uh, I think um, first my manager, Ali uh, Abdelaziz, he advised me to try. And uh, he told me that uh, your, your style, like matching his style, 
and we tried to walk and uh, I find that uh, it was walk perfectly, you know, just short time and I start feel my, um, like, uh, like punches more, um, uh, more strong, you know, I start understand game a little bit better and uh, it's not only about like holding pads, you're working a lot with my mind and uh, we did two successful camp and it's sort of camp and it's everything going well, so I think I made the right decision. I think you made the right decision, too. And, and now we're coming to the end of the interview here, too. I do want to get a, an opinion on this fight with Aspen Ladd. If you had to predict how you think this fight is going to go down, what what are your, sort of your expectations? Uh, you know, I'm not trying to make any prediction about any fight, especially in my fights. I'm trying to be ready for any situation. Uh, I'm sure a better striker, and I prepare myself to overstrike her if it's going down in, in the ground. Uh, we're ready there. And uh, I'm ready to put, to put her down or to walk in clinch, wherever fight is going to go. And walk on all aspects of the game. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it wherever it does wind up. Once again, this was Yana Kuniskaya, who fights Aspen Ladd at UFC in Washington, D.C. on December 7th. Yana, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And those interviews with Cody Stateman and Yana Kunitskaya are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for those who like to train martial arts. This is how it works. You download the Maroon Social app and you can get it just about wherever apps are, are downloaded. And what you're going to do is you're going to set up your profile. After that, you can log your training sessions. And the cool thing about this is it allows you to leave notes. It allows you to do all kinds of other really cool things like talk to your friends but it also gives you updates on whether or not you're making progress week to week or month to month. That way you know whether or not you're making the progress you wanna make in your martial arts training. They've also got cool things like logging your competitions or seminars or other things that you're doing in your martial arts training. So make sure you head on over there, whether you train judo, sambo, kickboxing, it doesn't matter. Download the Maroon Social app. Once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, what do you think about Cody Stamen's claim about who is the best in the Bantamweight division. Hey, you know what? I respect it. I'm an Aljamain Sterling guy. Obviously, the loss to him maybe, uh, you know, kind of inflates his perception of it, but Bantamweight right now is kind of wide open. You know, the former, who we thought might have been the GOAT, TJ, popped for steroids and then opened up a, uh, a juice press business called <laughs> Clean Juice, ironically. So, Who's to say who the best is right now? Who do you think the best is in the Bantamweight division right now? Um, I, I tend to agree with him. I, I think Aljamain Sterling is an interesting pick for a lot of reasons. You know, he mentioned the reach of Aljamain Sterling and how really difficult that is to deal with. And I think now that Aljamain has, like, sharpened up his striking to go along with, like, you know, what is pretty damn good wrestling and submission grappling, I think in, in general that poses a really difficult problem for Cejudo if he were to fight him. Um, obviously, Cejudo's got the arm problems, and Cejudo's, you know, calling out women and crap like that. But, you know, I think if it did come down to those two fighting, I think I favor for Sterling in that fight. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting. And uh, Bantamweight division, it's kind of fun actually right now. Um, you know, I, I do wish Cejudo would just kind of pick a lane I almost wish they would just crap, you know, scrap the 125 pound title, but uh, I don't know. It just it feels more wide open right now than it has in the past five years. When Dom was always kind of looming, you know, coming back from an injury, he was obviously really and is the bantamweight goat. Uh, but right now, it just feels feels more fun 
more fun to me. Absolutely, and and you forgot too that you got Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar both coming down soon too, which just makes things crazier. Yeah, well, it makes it crazier because I fully suspect one of them will die on their weight cut on the way down, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I am so excited, Gumby, because our favorite segment is back, Fights, Dogs, Parlays, for UFC DC this weekend. We had two weeks with no UFC fights, and it was pretty brutal for a couple of fight nerds like us, and especially when it's our favorite segment to break down a couple of fights, give a couple of odds, maybe give some gambling tips, so... We love Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, and I'm happy it's back. One may wonder, uh, does anyone sponsor Fights, Dogs, and Parlays this week? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays are brought to you by A Story About a Fight from Rumination Films. A Story About a Fight is a short-action drama film about the beauty of the sport and the violence that we love so much. MMA, you can check out all about that film at storyaboutafight.com, or you can check them out at Twitter at A Story A Fight. Alrighty then, Alistair Overeem is fighting a big puncher. Uh, <laughs> Alistair Overeem is coming off two TKO wins. You know, it's funny, after Curtis Blades opened up his head like a juice box, like a pinata, and we all wrote Alistair Overeem off, he beat Sergey Pavlovich, who I think the UFC really wanted to kind of be a guy, a potential prospect, and he still could be, but Alistair Overeem said no, no. And then he beat Alexei Olenek with TKO back in April of this year. So Alistair, uh, the demolition man, riding a two-fight win streak. He's going to be fighting uh, Rosenstruck. Did I pronounce his name right? Yeah, yeah, Rosenstruck, I believe it is. Okay. Well, this man, however you pronounce it, it's (laughs) very hard, my friends. We might have another Francis Naganu on our hands. He just killed Andrei Arlovsky dead via KO, punched to the back of the ear. He beat Alan Crowder before that via KO. He beat Junior Albini via TKO before that. So he's 3-0 and in the UFC, all with knockouts in under six minutes or less. So in his debut, Junior Albini, he beat him with 54 seconds into the second round. The other two wins were in the first round. If you want to know the odds on this, Overeem's betting off at a very slight favorite, minus 125. Roizenstruck, uh, plus 105 dog. So I don't necessarily know that Vegas knows what's to ma- what to make of this. What do you make of this? Uh, I'm leaning with the veteran Alistair Overeem in this fight. Not that I don't like the up-and-comer and I don't love the narrative of some, like, fresh blood in the division. Because it would be nice to see some fresh blood in the division, right? Like, who wants to see the same guys over and over and over again at the top of the division? But the bottom line is here... Is that I think Overeem is a little bit smarter when it comes to picking his shots, whereas Rosenstreich seems to throw everything on every shot he throws. You know what I mean? Like, he throws big bombs constantly. And sure, could he catch Overeem? Anybody could catch him. It's the heavyweight division. That's just how it goes. But I think Overeem in the last couple of fights has made a conscious decision to fight smarter. And as you saw in the Pavlovich fight, he also used his wrestling, right? Like, he took Pavlovich down in that fight. And I think that alone uh, helps me think that he'll he'll fight a more well-rounded fight and he'll stay safe. And the other thing I'm worried about, particularly with Rosenstroik, is that he gassed a little bit in that Junior Albini fight. You mentioned it was under six minutes long. He looked tired when he landed that knockout. I mean, that is very early in a fight to be feeling tired. And it worries me a little bit about him. 
Uh, it's very fair. I'm not going to dispute anything you say. I think Overeem is the favorite because of his experience, because at this point we don't really know how well all around uh, Rosenstrike is. Overeem, we know, has a good guillotine from his early days back in Pride. Uh, we know he's a very nice, well-rounded fighter, always content to strike on his feet, obviously. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see this, and this is obviously, you know, more so than Arlovsky, who I know is your boy and was riding a little win streak himself. But I, I think if uh, if he beats Overeem here, we have ourselves uh, a true contender at the heavyweight division. You mentioned you don't want to see the same people fighting each other at the top <laughs> of the division. Well, that brings us to this fight. Uh which is also from the heavyweight division and feels like it should have taken place in like 2015. You have Ben Rothwell, minus 145 favorite against Stefan Struve. And this is very interesting, especially with Rothwell being the favorite and Struve being the underdog. Rothwell is on a three fight losing streak. He lost to Junior Dos Santos three years ago in 2016 and then got suspended for the rocket fuel, came back this year in 2019 and has lost two unanimous decision losses uh, to Ivanov and Arlovsky. Um, the fight against Arlovsky actually set the record for the most head strikes absorbed in UFC heavyweight history, so that's not good. But with the, the time off, a two-fight losing streak this year, throw in the time off, a three-fight losing streak, but still a favorite against Stefan Struve, who had retired earlier this year, and then out of nowhere... Uh, signs a new six-fight contract. He's coming off a big arm triangle choke win over Marcos Rogerio de Lima after getting knocked down early in that fight. Came back with a big win, announced his retirement, but uh, that was fake. He's back. He lost to Marcin Tybura before that back in July of 2018, lost to Arlovsky before that, lost to Volkov before that. So he's one and three in his last four betting off as a plus-125 dog here. Who you got? I like Stefan Struve. You know, you mentioned it's hard to like a heavyweight who just absorbed as many punches as Ben Rothwell did, right? Like the dude's last win came against Josh Barnett by go-go choke in January of 2016. Nearly four years ago was his last win. Why would you, if you were betting, take a heavyweight in a division where anything can happen and a heavyweight that hasn't won, you know, in years. So for that reason, I'm leaning towards Struve. I'm not super confident in it, but if plus money, you have to like it. And and also, you know, you mentioned the head strikes that Rothwell took. He took 152 overall strikes against uh, Arlovsky, who, you know, don't get me wrong. He's like got a new focus on output, but he's not a world beater and, and neither is Struve here, but I think Struve tags him enough to probably either win a decision or to tags him enough to stun him and finish him. All right, no uh, no arguments here, but here's one that is a very interesting fight uh, from the female side of things. You have Aspen Ladd, who's coming off uh, a loss to Jermaine Durandamy via TKO, but was 8-0 before that, 3-1 and in the UFC, wins over Lena Landsberg, Tanya Evinger, both via KO, uh, unanimous decision win over Sajara Eubanks. She's going to be fighting Yana Kunitskaya. Did I pronounce that right? You did indeed. Uh, who's coming off a big unanimous decision win over Marion Renault, beat Lena Landsberg before that, but a loss to Chris Cyborg, no shame in that, via TKO, back in UFC 222 of 2008. So she's 2-1 in the UFC. If you want to know the odds on this, you could get Aspen Ladd as a minus-150 favorite. Yana, a plus-130 dog, what do you think? I'm worried 
about Aspen Ladd taking punches in this fight. You know, we just mentioned Ben Rothwell taking too many fights, and, and that's why I'm leaning with the underdog here, Kunitskaya, as well. It's because if, if you look back at Aspen Ladd's last fight against Sajara Eubanks, she took Eubanks down three times and still at the end of the day had absorbed more strikes. Usually when you spend that much time on top of a fighter in a fight, because she did spend the majority of the time they were on the mat on top, you were the one who's landed more strikes because you don't typically get hit all that much while you're on top. And instead, she actually was outstruck throughout the whole fight, which is problematic to me for a couple of reasons. The first one being is Sajara Eubanks is not a particularly crafty striker. You know, she likes to get in the clinch. She likes to make things dirty. She likes to, you know, wrestle a little bit. She got a good grappling game under Lloyd Irvin or previously under Lloyd Irvin and now under uh, um, our boy in New Jersey, um, Mark Henry. But Yana Kuniskaya is that crafty striker. And in addition to being a crafty striker, she can mix it up wrestling a little bit. I think a lot of people forget that that fight with Cyborg, she got tagged in the feet and actually ankle-picked Chris Cyborg and got a takedown. You know, like, how many people do you know who can say they got a takedown on Chris Cyborg? That's really impressive, and it's even more impressive from somebody who's a striker and likes to have lots of output like Yana Kunitskaya. So for that reason, I think Kunitskaya is a good pick to have here by decision, probably, because, you know, not quite a ton of knockouts on her record, certainly not since she's been to the UFC. But I, I think she's got the output to upset Aspen Ladd here. All right. Um, let's move on then to our parlay of the week and we've hit our parlay of the week two weeks in a row uh before the lull in ufc action but heading into that lull we were two for two going into that rob font minus 145 and alistair overeem at minus 125 is the parlay to play why well for the first reason is i really like rob font in this fight because if, if you look at the last fight from uh ricky simon who his opponent is Ricky Simon just got done getting absolutely flatlined by Uriah Faber. And not that Uriah Faber isn't a good fighter, but if you think of most of Uriah Faber's fights, uh, he's not a one-punch knockout guy, right? So for Rob Font to be facing a guy who just got stunned by, you know, maybe not the hardest puncher in the world, Rob Font does have that one-punch knockout power. And in addition to that, Ricky Simon leans a lot on his wrestling Rob Font's got a good guillotine, and not only does Rob Font have a good guillotine, he's got good defensive wrestling and scrambling. So I just think he's a nightmare matchup for Ricky Simon. So at as close a odds as they are there, negative 145, I think that that's a good play. And I, I'm using Alistair Overeem over Rosenstreich here because of the odds being so close, you got a veteran versus a guy who's who's really unproven, right? Like Rosenstreich, his only win of note is against Andre Arlovsky, who's unranked. He's catapulting up the division, fighting the number six guy in the in the UFC, and doing so on short notice, right? Like this is a fight Walt Harris was supposed to be in. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances take him out of this fight. But I think for that reason, Overeem is actually being underrated a little bit here. So when you pair those two together, which I think is a good play, you're getting over double your money. That's plus 205 odds when you pair those two together. And I think it's a really smart play. All right. Well, you picked two favorites there. So let's also give our dog of the week. And it's Mallory Martin betting off at plus 225, which is no slight dog there over uh, Verna Jandaroba. Yeah, I'm going big dog here on Mallory Martin. There's actually... 
actually only a few dogs I like in this this card. You know, I mentioned Yana Kunitskaya and Stefan Struve as ones up higher on the card. There's not a whole lot lower on the card, but Mallory Martin is one I like. She's taken this fight on short notice after uh, Courtney Casey dropped out of the fight, and I believe somebody else dropped out before that. Um, but yeah, I, I like her in this fight because if you saw her on the Contender Series, she's a really brutal grappler. She, she's got great trips. She's got great entries into her takedowns. Her striking leaves a little bit to be desired, which I think is why she's probably at plus 225. But she's fighting somebody who doesn't have the greatest striking either in Virna Jandaroba and just lost to a wrestler in Carla Esparza. Now, I'm not saying Mallory Martin is Carla Esparza, but I'm saying she's got a, a similar skill set in a lot of ways. And I think for that reason, plus 225 is so tempting on her. All right, well, that wraps up our Fight Stars and Parlay segment. We'll be following the show on our Twitter account, at MMA as it's going along, so please feel free to chime into the conversation or send hate or love feedback for these gambling advice nuggets that we're dishing out. Uh, we're accepting both love and hate feedback currently. That's at MMA is the Twitter. Gumby, that about does it for us, but why don't you wrap things up in a nice bow Take us home. Well, of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We also want to thank Flow Combat for helping get us in your ears each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without them. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, Maroon Social, the Punch Lab app, and the story about a fight from Rumination Films. So a special thank you to all of them. We also want to remind you guys to check out our Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We got all kinds of cool stuff going on over there, so do not miss out on it. And speaking of do not miss out on it, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you right here next week.